Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So as, as you predicted... <laughs> we're, we're picking up from last week, are we? <laughs> That's right. And uh, uh, last week, uh, we, we talked about estimates, and we were talking about estimates at the beginning of a process... And then you said, "Well, look, let's 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 get talk about the other half. What about the end of the process? Uh, because I I had talked about how we had just finished uh, OKR um, planning cycle, but part of that planning cycle, and I think this is among the most important parts, is the 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 lessons learned. So we 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 look back at what we had said at the start of the previous quarter. In this case, we you know we were starting Q4, and we look back at Q3." And we said, well, based on what our OKRs, what we said and versus what we did, what did we learn throughout the quarter? And um, and then let's make sure we, we take lessons learned from that into our Q4 planning. And I'm a big fan of that. I think that's fantastic. I just think you can do it without lying to yourself with estimates. <laughs> Which is, and, and, and one of the things we, we got into last time, and I think this is it, is about the who are the estimates for? And I think there's a couple different stakeholders, and one is the estimates that we do for people who are uh, stakeholders outside the team, and the other one is for stakeholders, you know, the, the, the team itself. And I think what I have been focused on here is at the end of the quarter is part of the value for the team itself is to compare what they what they had predicted in their with their uh, estimates uh, versus what they actually did. And, and I think that's, that's a valuable um, uh, reflective exercise to then decide what we want to do differently going forward, if anything. I'll, I'll say this, one of the, one of the thing, things that came out as a lesson learned, and I think this is an interesting thing to discuss, was the, that they felt like they had not understood, not fully appreciated the interdependency across different teams on this project. This is a, a fairly complicated project we were running multiple teams more more complicated than other projects we've run and the dependencies and handoffs between the teams had more impact than than they had realized that so there were essentially when people were estimating they didn't do enough cross-functional collaboration on that to take into account the workload generated by the dependencies between teams okay even though they were doing estimates they didn't do as much at the beginning. I just can't help scoring the point. But uh, <laughs> let's focus on the end because you got you got some tremendous value here in understanding what you could do differently for next quarter. Yes. So the next complex project or the next phase of this one would be the more next successful. phase of this one. Yeah, exactly. Got That's it. right. But the question I have is why were estimates important in that? Because it sure seems to me that the team would say, "Man." We had no idea that there would be so many dependencies, and you know, I found myself as I'm thinking back on the quarter, phoning Team X all the time and asking them what was done and what wasn't, and trying to figure out how to coordinate. We didn't appreciate that at all at the beginning, and we would have done better not to. And I could imagine getting that insight. And notice, I didn't say anything about the estimate. And and, and I think you're right that there are other ways to get it than estimates. At, at least in some cases, uh, I think what for me the estimates act like a fallback. They're they're sort of um, a somewhat uh, 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 maybe like end to end, um, a bit like an end to end test that's testing the UI and the whole system, and uh, it, it sort of will catch things that other things don't. And it's not that I couldn't have caught them with something else, but just I often don't. 
where and I think partially here I'm 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 heavily influenced by some uh, discussion session that I had with people many years ago uh, of the book uh, You're Not So Smart. And uh, that book, You're Not So Smart, is um, a, a, by Dave McCraney, is a, a collection of, uh, I think it's 50 cognitive biases that we're subject to. And it kind of explains it. And we, we did this reading uh, of them, and we wanted to say, well, what could we do? What If we, if we accept the fact that we're uh, subject to all these biases, including, and this is the, the really relevant point, hindsight bias and the fact that we have mutable memories, that we rewrite our memories based on, on subsequent uh, things that we learn. So our memories are unreliable. And I think this is the key point then. How do we how do we learn effectively when we can't trust ourselves? And the one thing we came out of this as a very uh, that the, seemed to be the single most effective thing we could try to do, which was to write things down ahead of time, to try to make predictions and write them down, and then go back later and check what happened versus what we wrote down at the time. And you've just said a key word there. You said prediction. Yes, And that one I'm not arguing with at all. I think I agree fanatically with that one. And there's a great example from the scientific world. Uh, if you know anything about the, the no, uh, notion of p-hacking and, yes. um, and other ways um, kind of fooling yourself into thinking you were testing one hypothesis, which is what you actually kind of proved rather than the one you actually had at the beginning, um, you can prove a lot of stuff that turns out not to be true, and it's caught Nobel laureates and, and other very clever people yes. um, kind of fooling themselves because they didn't write down their prediction at the beginning of the psychology experiment or whatever, whatever it was they were trying to test. So I think that's fantastic. I just don't see why you need an estimate. So you could have the prediction, for example. Um, we will have something really valuable to show every week. Uh, every week the conversion rate will go up, and um, we will um, never have any difficulties with um, the, the, the vendors that provide the tools that we're using. That could be one of your predictions. You get to the end of the quarter and you say, oh, my God, you know, February was a total write-off. Uh, the vendors <laughs> couldn't get anything done, and, and we were on the phone to them instead of writing code uh, for the whole month. Our prediction was wrong. That sounds really useful. Again, I don't need to say, I think I will have this thing done by February the 14th at 4.57 in the afternoon in order to get that insight. It's interesting. We don't, we don't ha I think there's, there's interesting, as I hear you describe it, because we don't have the same granularity in two ways. One is on this project. We're not in a place where we have um, uh, people in production, you know, end users using it in this time period. We, you know, we'll have beta access, but it's not the kind of thing where we could, you know, but we are looking to say results. Like we expect to have um, uh, some change in behavior that we can measure among beta clients, for example. Okay, and good the, enough. Yeah. I predict that our beta clients will love this and they'll write to us about how great it is and they'll use the features every week. Right, but, but but part of what we're getting to is predictions of what those features are going to be. <laughs> so we're saying we we think we'll be able to do this set of things within this quarter that will have this effect on their behavior. And when we don't deliver those set of things, when we then we the question becomes, well, why not? Now, and there can be different reasons. Like this is the key point. It's not this is not a, a bludgeoning exercise to say, oh, you thought you would get these four things done and you only got two things done, so you're terrible. That's not how this goes. It's you thought you'd get these four things done. You got two of them done. What happened? <laughs> and and there could be different kinds of answers, including, hey, we learned that there was this fifth thing that's even more valuable. So we changed priorities. Great. Or it could be, oh, we learned this thing was a lot harder than we thought. And we decided there was better alternatives. 
fine. But when it comes up, like, yeah, we were just wrong on what we could get done. It was it's, then it's sort of like, well, tell us more. Why is that? What specifically? And I think this is what we get into what it was that, that we failed to anticipate, and how can we avoid fail, that failure in the future? And that's where the value comes in that uh, uh, in that discussion. That to come up with things where we can change our behavior in the future. Um, in, in, in a couple of different ways. One is uh, to be better estimates. But even more than that, those, those missed estimates sometimes represent a, a failure, a lack of knowledge of our systems. That, like, oh, we, there was something about our systems we didn't really understand. And we now can understand it better by understanding where we were wrong on these estimates. And I love that result. I'm, I'm not, a, as you can imagine, I'm not a fan of saying, well, let's, let's estimate so that we can estimate better in the future. That, that seems self-referential to me. But the, the second part about learning where we don't understand our system sounds great. Why, why wait till the end of the quarter to discover that? Why not discover that as you're delivering each week and you discover the problem? And then you can look back at the end of the quarter and say, yeah, this was happening a lot. This is something that we can do something about. I, I just think that the, the estimate is something that's so seductive. It's so easy to think, well, if we could just be more predictable, if we could just have better estimates, then that would be a signal that we're doing better. And I'm just not convinced that that's the case. Okay. Now, okay. This is interesting here. The, the, the estimates as a signal we're doing better. I don't think, and I think this is where you and I agree. I would never say our accuracy of our estimates is a measure of success. Oh, great. Okay, good. Glad we agree about that one. And and that's and I think that's a really interesting uh, uh, distinction here. It's the, because the goal is not to have the accurate estimates. It's the, the, the it's we're looking to see what could help us learn more. And estimates for me have been, historically been a valuable way to do it. But I wouldn't say that we're good because we are have accurate estimates. We're we're good if we're getting good results with our clients if we're delivering value, <laughs> and we'd say that's that's what I'm after. I just say skip the estimates because yeah, I don't see how they add something to it. If they do for you, I'm not going to argue with success. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of cases where the risk become the risk that that I talked about last week that that you'll you'll the the estimates will escape. That they they will uh, get off the ranch and and suddenly become <laughs> something that are a that it is a bludgeoning bludgeoning excuse. Uh, that that's where I'm. Uh, uh, that that's the thing I'm I'm trying to hedge against. And I would say, and and I, and it's interesting because I think we, I would look at it and say, well, it turns out I think you have other problems <laughs> in that oh, environment. Absolutely, <laughs> no question. But um, I think that happens enough that it makes me worried that many of our listeners and many of my clients have those problems. And therefore, I think estimates are a um, uh, kind of like TNT. You know, if you, if you put it in the right place and blow it up, you, you can get a tunnel. That's good. You, you can also kind of burn your fingers off. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can I can I can definitely say you could say, like, if we're in an environment where these are going to be misused, uh, then, you know, we should be cautious about how we proceed <laughs> and and, uh, and and estimates might not be the risk reward ratio might not be there there we go okay well that was a very interesting debate uh, I don't think Jeffrey and I have come to agreement but uh, that just means there's an opportunity for you our listeners to weigh in and tell us what you think you can do that at agileconversations.com where you'll find our Twitter and our email and free videos and stuff about our book and all kinds of other good things so we'd love to hear from you there that's where some of our very best podcasts have come from is when uh, listeners come tell us that uh, we're, we're all wet 
And in this case, you can uh, dis disagree with either or both of us. That would be fine. And, of course, you can also come back and listen to us next week when we'll have another very interesting debate about something. Maybe we'll agree next week. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> come back next Wednesday for another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Grant.